0: All right, we just got done with a very interesting conversation with Scott Milker, otherwise known as the Wolf of All Streets on Twitter. We went into a lot of stuff. What'd you have, Greg?
1: The Wolf is a busy, it's a busy job to be a Wolf. He's a guy who works <laughs> harder than anyone else. And uh, listen, if you, wanna, if you wanna outperform, you do have to put in the hours. And, and, and he's got like a podcast, he's got emails, tw- tweeting all the time, takes a lot of work.
0: Yeah, we went into the creator economy in depth, super interesting, and just the trajectory of it, and just the last few years for him, and the dark times he went through to get to where he is today, it was a really interesting conversation, you guys are going to love it, let's dive right in. 2022 is a great time to take control of your sleep. I used to sleep like crap, but not anymore, ever since I found Beam CBD's Dream Sleep product. It's been a complete game changer for my sleep. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and I wake up feeling refreshed, not groggy. It's a nano CBD product, so it actually gets absorbed into your body more effectively. It tastes great, and you're going to love it. I couldn't be more excited to bring a special offer to y'all. Beam is offering $20 off any order of $75 or more for our listeners. Just go to beamorganics.com slash room and use code room at checkout. Again, that's B-E-A-M organics.com slash room and use code room at checkout to get $20 off any order of 75 or more. I need to, I feel like, kick this off by telling the story of why we are all sitting here because it is very... Uh, I don't know, I think it's very telling of like the era that we live in, and also it's a really interesting story about you and about your personality and the type of person you are. Um, And it's really, for me at least personally, the reason why I'm sitting here in the first place. And so Scott and I met, um, and I don't think you know this story either, so it's a good one. Back in like May of 2020, COVID had hit, world was on fire. There was like, you know, everything was fucking disaster at the time. Like, I think the markets, the markets had probably recovered by then, but like world was in chaos. Everyone was unemployed, like shit was hitting the fan. And I wrote this thread and I had like, I had 500 followers on Twitter at the time. Threads weren't really a thing yet. And I like sat on my garage floor, had this idea of like how to try to explain Basically why the markets were soaring while the economy was in the shitter. And so I write this thing and I post it and like not much happens. And then I DM'd it to Scott. And I had just seen him on Twitter. He had a big following. I think he had like 100,000 followers at the time. Maybe just Probably under like, that. Yeah. And um, I DM'd it to him not expecting anything. And then suddenly like my phone is fucking blowing up and I look and Scott has like quote retweeted this thing. Angel. It's good. You're an angel. And I'm like losing One my mind, texting told. all my friends like, dude, this is insane. This guy just retweeted me. This is nuts. I'm, you know, I've like gained 250 followers in 10 minutes. And, um, basically then, so, you know, that tweet kind of blew up. And then what happened over the next six months was like the remarkable part. And it says a lot about Scott, but basically as I was like, starting to kind of create more and write and share. um, For no reason other than just being a good guy, Scott was like my patron saint. He would like share everything I was doing with his big and and fast-growing audience at the time um, and basically took me along for the ride with him. And so it was like this really cool thing where um, you know I had met someone through the internet, like we had never met in person. Actually right now as we're sitting here, oddly enough, is the first time we've ever met in person but we would talk every single day. Um, I was helping with some of the stuff Scott was working on on the business side as he was growing his empire. And um, here we are today, and he's been like, you know, if I could point to one person that was most influential in getting me to where I am, it's Scott. And so it's a very cool thing for me to be able to like sit here now. I went on his podcast, and it was like the first podcast I had been on, Uh, and I remember being really nervous, being like, do you really want to have me on this? I only have (laughs) 10,000 followers. Can you remember me saying that? I was like, Scott, this isn't good for you. You've got a big following. I've got like 10,000 followers. I'm some random guy. And I went on it. So now it's kind of a thrill for me to be able to sit here and turn Turn the mic around a little bit and uh, and talk
2: to you. That's amazing. I wouldn't have even described it that way, which is funny. I would say that. Yeah, how R- would you describe <laughs> it? Chamath retweeted that that, that thread. <laughs> that's that's how it. I remember Chimath it, Chamath right? did retweet so, it. So who was first? I
0: actually don't remember. I thought you I were know, first. I think I might have been first, and then it first. kind of
2: went a bit viral, and then it yeah. got to him through no yeah. doing of my own, and then he retweeted it. But listen, I think it's a testament to the fact that, especially in this era, like, good content rules everything, right? And so it was not hard to identify the fact that you had written this incredible, accessible thread on a very complicated topic, which you made seem very easy. It was the story of Federico. Who yeah, Mr. Federico. Italy, right? Mr. Federico. Mr. Yeah. Federico, the Fed, of course. I, I, I remember it almost word for word because yeah. it was so compelling. And... You focused in on that and continued to do that. It was impossible not to share the content that you made because, you know, I think the ethos of a lot of what many of us do is we want to take complicated topics and make them more simple because they're important and people need to understand what's actually happening around them. And you launched that sort of 101 thread series yeah. where it was like, the Fed put nobody knows what the Fed put is yeah. options. You know, all these very uh, complex tar- uh, topics that don't really need to be that complex. Yeah, it
0: is like, it's a story of Web 3 too, which is what I love about it, in that um, a lot of the things we talk about on this show is like the openness of it. It's like borderless. doesn't matter whether you're the country club kid from Greenwich, Connecticut, or if you're the kid growing up in India, if you're creating great things, if you're creating great artwork in the context of the things we're seeing this week, um, if you're creating great content, it can be shared and you can reach people. And it was a cool case study of that, but it's cool to see the people... And it's inspiring when you're on the ground to see, you know, when you're, like, just getting started, to see the people, like, where you were at the time who had already made it, in my mind. I know you probably didn't think that, right. but, like, I felt that way. Don't. To don't. Yeah, no, <laughs> and none of us do, right? Like, I'm sitting here, I don't feel that yeah. way, and other people probably do. And so it was so cool to see, like, that positive sum ethos that I think characterizes a lot of crypto and Web3 that people haven't really appreciated yet. Like outside looking in, people still look at crypto, web 3 and they're like, oh, scam, fraud, whatever. But there's so much positivity and willingness to kind of embrace, share, and grow the space that is 100%. happening within it.
2: 100%. And I think that that's such a external perception and is couldn't be further off, as you said, from what's happening internally. It's funny, I just on my way here stopped at my friends, their music producers, at their studio. Hadn't seen them since I lived in Miami wanted to hang out. And they were talking about, man, we're really starting to embrace this like NFT and crypto and producer thing. People actually help each other. It's not like the music <laughs> industry where everybody's shitting on each other all the time. Right. And, you know, my background, um, like I, I went to an Ivy League school and was going to go the finance route. Yeah, you got to tell your
0: story, man. It, it's
2: crazy. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, you know, I went to the University of Pennsylvania and I decided to be a DJ, basically is the gist of it with a thousand twists and turns in between. But I was a guy who like got an Ivy League degree, threw it away and decided to go DJ at clubs downtown in Philadelphia, you know, (laughs) I'm very, very proud. I'm sure my parents were at the time, although they were always very supportive of it. But, you know, the music industry is quite literally the opposite. Everybody is for themselves. Nobody wants to help each other. Anyone you do business with is gouging you at every possible turn. And it really is not like that in the crypto industry. This is the first time I've been a part of anything. And that's Web3 in general, not not cryptos per se. Where it really feels like you're on a team and everybody's winning together, right? It's like being at the craps table and, and, you know, everybody's cheering. And of course you have that one guy who's on the don't pass yeah. line who, who you hate, but you know, and, <laughs> but, but, but the other nine people at the table are cheering. They're winning together. It's sort of how I feel being in this, in this industry. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the team is worldwide, right? Yeah. It's not even just. Ten years ago, it would have been like the people you could assemble around you in your town or in your like you know some sort of social media group or something. Now it's everyone everywhere. Yeah, and uh, and we're just scratching the very very basic surface. So
1: not to derail the conversation, but I just realized we've met before. We have. We have met before. Oh
2: jeez. Oh, uh, so yeah, God, I'm, swear he's gonna be? Like, Get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so
0: no, you stole my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be awkward. Do you know your He's wife? He's married him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay.
1: So, I'm trying to remember the place where we met, but we met in Gainesville, Florida, which okay. is where... That you, makes perfect sense. That makes sense.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Sam Tarantino. Okay. Do you know Sam Tarantino? I, the, yes. So, okay. I I mean, just is make Quentin's son
0: yes. or is it any no, relationship? No, no. So, okay. he
1: started a company called Groove
2: Shark. Okay. Do you, do you uh, I remember yeah. Groove Shark? I think he introduced us. Is that possible? that distinctly possible? If you were in Gainesville, Florida, and you met a guy that looks like. Who is a DJ, <laughs> who threw oh, away DJ, his Ivy yeah. League degree. Um, there's like, there's there can't like be that three man, of us. Yeah, yeah, you have a group chat <laughs> with the like, three okay. of us. Yeah. There's yeah. like, hey guys, remember how our parents <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a that. group therapy session, but yeah. The, yeah I think you're the, doing all right. I, I remember Group Shark well, so that, that makes perfect sense. See? It's a, yeah, a small world. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool, too, because it's.
0: Like the the thing that I find so fascinating about this, like we're here, you know, it's Art Basel week and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, But it's so, it's such an eclectic group of people. Like in in tech, I lived in San Francisco in the Bay Area for a long time. Not anymore, luckily. But there, it's like, it's only really one type of person. And it gets a bad rep for that. But it's like a lot of the tech bro is like what it gets Mm -hmm. a rep for. When you come to the Web3 world... It really is an eclectic, you know, there's musicians, there's artists, Micah is a great example, like a baseball player turned artist, turned NFT extraordinaire, turned IP, you know, like Maven. Uh, It's such an amazing diverse group of talents and people that are coming together in this like really awkward mishmash.
2: And it makes sense, right? If you're over like 35 years old, you're not native, right? Right. You didn't grow up with it, but I, I still didn't get my first cell phone until my senior year of college. And I was like the first guy. And it was one of those big bricks. And, and people thought I was Scarface or, or from Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Night at the Roxbury uh, is what I remember. Bro. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think that that's the reason, right? All these other industries, even tech to a degree, because Silicon Valley is an 80s yeah. thing, right? As, as much as it evolved into what it was, the Silicon Valley already had its core. I think everybody's sort of figuring it out together and came to it through some other, uh, channel, right? So that's why you get, you get the ex athletes who are now painters like Micah, as we sort of mentioned below the before the the ex DJ who turned trader, who became an enthusiast. And you have people from every single walk of life who were sort of either successful but didn't find what they were looking for in whatever they were doing previously or aged out. I would say, you know, you may have aged out of sports. I aged certainly aged out of DJing, looking for a second act. Yeah. And, you know, investing is a powerful second act for yeah. quite a few people. And if you can do that in a market like this, it, it's pretty compelling. But I really think that's the reason, is because nobody has that, like, I've been here for 40 years mentality. Yeah. I failed out of sports, for what it's worth. I don't know. I, that think I, I failed out. out. I, I think mean, at yeah. <laughs> some point,
1: I was just bad. So, sorry, I'm just I'm remembering now. So, <laughs> I'm uh, still maybe. stuck on okay.
2: this Gainesville so meeting. So <laughs> so, but like, no, because no, no, when I even in Gainesville, uh, is already uh, exactly. uh,
1: serendipitous, right? Yeah. So, when I met you, it must have been 2017 or something. I don't remember you saying crypto. I don't remember you. You might have been like doing it on the side. But, correct, I don't remember you having a big Twitter following. Is this something that's new-ish for
2: you? Relatively new. Yeah. So, I I mean, I joined Twitter before Bitcoin was invented, right? I've been there since basically the beginning, I think 2008 or 2009. Oh, uh, I joined Twitter whenever it started, and it was because of music, right? I was a music account. I got my blue check that everyone thinks is from crypto because of my DJing and, and music production. So, uh, I rode that, maybe I had 40,000 followers. Come 2016, 17, had a kid, decided I didn't want to you know, be on the road anymore, didn't want to tour. As I said, I got older, it's always the joke like Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. You know, I felt like uh, I get older, they stay the same age. That's how I felt with DJing. Like, no matter how old I get, everyone I'm DJing for is 21 and wants to party, right? It just didn't really work. Um, and so, you know, I'd been trading already. I loved trading, I loved markets. Um, And crypto was this sort of world of unicorn 100x pumps in late 2016 and early 2017. And I just timed it well, right? A huge part of I think anyone's story in this industry is certainly luck and timing, right? If I'd had the exact same story at the very beginning of 2018, it would be very different, right? Um, So I did well fast, uh, became very passionate about it, and I immediately alienated everyone who followed me on Twitter. (laughs) Like one day it was like, ah, oh, I've got this show, come to South by Southwest, whatever. And the next day it was like, check out this chart of Bitcoin, like, right? <laughs> and people were, and, and back then my charts were hideous, and lines all over the place. And, uh, and so I immediately like cut my followers in half, Right. Are you really lost, lost followers 20. oh i lost oh, like wow. half i i became a completely and utterly different thing and if you were following me for like new music releases why would you follow me when i'm starting to would, talk would, about internet magic or internet which is
1: money? pretty courageous and there's not that many people honestly that do that i feel like jack butcher did that a little bit when he got into web 3 he was he was tweeting about like design exclusively and then all of a sudden he was just like
2: yeah. hard pivot you know yeah. i don't think it was intentional i think uh you know, I'm like a, a vicious ADHD case. And when I get super like into something, I know people say ADHD gives you like makes you spastic, but for me, it's a hyper-focused thing, almost like an obsession. So I just talk about what I'm into and that was what I was into. So my Twitter account had gone through like probably weird twists and turns throughout, but there was nothing intentional about it. Zero expectation that I would gain followers because of it. Right. I was just it was talking about what I was into and what's social media for, if not to share What you're passionate about at that very moment i view it as sort of like a timeline of my life right um and for whatever reason you know people started to engage with it and it built again from there and at a certain point i think it's just the snowball gets bigger and starts heading downhill and you you know it's a sort of a big fish small pond probably scenario to some degree and it just uh, snowballed out of control but that's very likely that i was probably talking about it superficially on twitter but not actually in person And I was still like, sort of, on the downturn of DJing, taking the few good things here and there, and figuring out what I wanted to do with my
1: life. That's what I remember. I remember you coming back to Gainesville, yeah. and you were basically like, "Yeah, man, like, like that's why I think we connected because you, we wanted, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life."
2: Yeah. And exactly. so now
1: I look at it, and I'm like, at forty, cause at, yeah. But I remember, <laughs> I remember like before you, you know, the so first time we're re meeting. Yeah. Um, but Sahil's like this guy Scott's coming, he's like the man, I checked your Twitter account, and I was like, whoa, this is like amazing content and like it felt like you were this statue, you know, this sort of like you've been, you know, you've are you you're, you'd been doing this for 10
2: years. Right, uh, but nobody has. Well, there's a few people who have, but I think that uh, that's what's funny about social media.
1: Yeah, right? so I guess that's one of the lessons I'm kind of picking up, which is like, there's a few lessons actually. Mm-hmm. One is um, it's amazing how, quick you can rise um
0: yeah with consistent
1: yeah i'm looking at both of you i'm like you know it,
0: you can't do it alone
2: you can't do it alone no. and you had mentors people that yeah sure I mean, I you. people that helped me and like i said this kind in this community and sort of this web 3 tech community people get it and they share your content it can go viral very fast it's funny i'd gone viral for all these random things before in my life um massively viral like uh one of them was a uh inflatable tube man that looked like he was twerking and i put it to a migo's song called hannah montana we got like you know 40 or 50 million views didn't do anything for me right uh i had music projects that i had that went viral i went viral for writing a story on my facebook page about donald trump junior when we went to college <laughs> together which was screenshot and became national news right still to All this these, day
0: if you search your name i think it's like one of the, the first, first things thing that, that comes up on right. google miami dj Kay. says donald yeah. trump
2: junior right yeah. um and so but none of that ever stuck or was to any benefit to me in fact some of it was probably damaging right um but because there was no, I think, thought behind it and no meaning and it wasn't connected. Right. And now when you sort of get this narrative like you have, you, you defined yourself as this specific thing, like I'm going to teach people complicated topics in a simple manner. For me, it was like, I want everyone in the world to know about Bitcoin. Right. I want and, and, and that's how it started. But whatever manifestation of that became Web3, NFTs, DeFi play to earn gaming, all the things that that's become. But in 2016, it was like, there's so much money to be made here. You guys got to jump on this boat, right? And and that was a very simplistic and unfortunate view, probably, at that time. Uh, and it took a bear market, I think, for a lot of us to become very passionate about it. You, know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to justify the reason that you're still here. Um, but I think, you know, when you sort of uh, put that all together and you start to go viral for things, it actually builds into something real that people can sort of engage with. It's very easy to be a one-hit wonder, I think.
0: Yeah, the consistency, that was what I admired about what you were doing. There were a couple things I admire. I mean, number one, I said it earlier, like the positive sum mentality of it and being willing to help other people just as you got help along the way is like just amazing. And it's something that I now try to embody when there are people that are contacting me or reaching out to me is like, I want to help because I got a lot of help along the way and it's a good ethos on life. The other one is the consistency of the efforts. It's just like daily, pounding your head into a wall. And not everything goes viral. Not everything scales you to like 10,000 followers and you jump, but it's that like consistency of effort day in, day out, pounding your head into a wall that eventually you break through. And you were a great example of that. Cause you just, I mean, you've been relentless. Like as long as I've known you and you've had to deal with you know, crypto Twitter still has like a yeah. dark side and there's a lot of anonymous like, accounts you know, no and there's question. people that
2: attack and like say negative things and you what have happened? your family on there. Yeah. It's, a, it's a long and nonsensical story, yeah. but if you ask certain people, I'm the reason that I think the entire crypto market crashed in, in, <laughs> in, uh, in May. But uh, obviously, obviously not the case. But, uh, you know, people, it was a very uh, interesting and uh, surprising example of how fast fake news can go when people yeah. want to believe it. You know, and I think that there's a, obviously an element always of trying to tear people down uh, who are successful. And I'm one of the few people who's non-anonymous in the in the crypto space. Yeah, you have space. your face. Very, very and easy. And your wife. Very and easy like, target. You know, yeah. uh, I, I overshare certainly for someone who's in crypto, which uh, is probably not the not the best thing. You know, and you've had to regard. deal with the dark sides but, but of it. Yes, for sure. And so I, you know, like uh, I've definitely dealt with uh, some some crazy stuff. You know, it, it turned into a lot of SIM swapping and hacking. Uh, people attempting to, you know i mean i've been hacked so many times at this point it's hard to count but you know people threatening me and trying to you know uh extort money from me saying that they have information which they don't you know but it's like literally endless um it's calmed down a bit it goes with the market you know up and down but as you said it's it's the dark side but i choose not to focus on that as like painful and brutal as those experiences are they're temporary right and i think it's a very interesting sort of Exploration of human nature how how much the negative stands out over the positive
1: if you if you could redo it all it's 2017 when we met and Start your twitter account fresh anonymous account Uh, I think on your twitter title it says like the wolf of all streets. Maybe you call it the wolf of all streets. Would you do, would you start it anonymous or would you be Scott again?
2: I would be myself uh, without without question. Although like I envy the guys who are anonymous to some degree because they're, I, I think it's just an easier way to interact with this particular community. I wouldn't change a thing because like, I, I feel like everything I've done is uniquely me, you know? And I, I think that maybe that's why it's funny they say, you know, it takes 20 or 30 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> but for myself, I think that that's the case that I just found enough people who like either enjoy my content or like my personality or just see something of myself and them whatever that is I found enough of those people that it created a community that allowed it to be what it is and I don't think that would be the case if I was hiding behind uh, a cartoon and I don't blame anyone for doing that honestly I don't begrudge them that at all just I don't think it would have ever worked for me I'm just too much of an overshare. I've been that way since I was a little kid. It's not going to well, change now. Well, you're also
1: like, I mean, you were a DJ. You were an entertainer.
2: There was no, like, yeah. And you're, so what if I was going to change the face of my Twitter account and all yeah. of a sudden I'm not a DJ. I'm like a, a wolf avatar. You know, I just don't think... Uh, well, I mean, it's in your
1: nature, right? Like your is. nature, <laughs> when you play a show, I also I have friends who are musicians and comics and stuff like that. Like they thrive on putting their face out there, connecting with the audience and having that interaction.
2: You're the man in the arena. The the funniest thing though, I think the first time that I had an attempted canceling on Twitter was because a huge name in the Twitter industry in the crypto Twitter space, I should say, said that I had bought my account from a DJ. (laughs) Killed a DJ and bought it. I had like (laughs) bought my blue check. I was not verified. It went wildly (laughs) viral. And I was like, it's literally, like I share pictures of myself, my wife, my kids. It's the same guy. Right. Like this is the most easily vetted fake yeah. news story in history, and went crazy viral. And I hear about it every single day. Three years later,
1: that's actually amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, that I bought my Twitter account. Yeah. That it's not real. That that I'm buying my followers. Like yeah. people just uh, for some reason nobody <laughs> wants to believe. Well, it's people possible. don't like people.
0: There's always going to be a subset that of people that hate success, and they they would prefer to. We, talk about a we lot, talked about this. We like, talked about this like right before. So like,
1: we we just. Um, We just interviewed Jiho from Axie Infinity and he shared a picture of us, all of us because we, you know, we're on the pod and like 95% of it was super positive, but 5% of it was like
2: really negative. But that's the part, those are the comments you're going to remember. And that was the point I was making to go circle back to what we were saying. For whatever reason, in the human psyche, the negative comments weigh 100 times heavier than the positive ones. Yeah. Always, right? I can remember what someone said about my kids, my wife or my mom and can't remember the 900 people who said, wow, you really changed my life with this idea or whatever, you know, that, that for some reason that starts to wash, kind of wash out, but the negative ones and the negative experiences, listen, that's something you can like rationally sort through, but I think your knee jerk reaction is always to have an emotional sort of response to to that negativity.
1: Totally. That's can why we, you probably don't remember me. I was probably really nice to you. I do
2: remember. Yeah, you
1: were
0: yeah. way yeah, too nice true. to me, man. You gotta be more of a dick. You, you were praising me, <laughs> so, you were praising me <laughs> exactly. so much. praising I made fun of you. That's true. Certainly day. not like that uh, at all. Can we talk, I mean, one, one of the things that's really interesting here too is like the overlay of all of this, um, of creator economy and all of the different cool monetization opportunities that exist within this creator world and you in particular and I'm kind of experiencing this now and I learned a lot from watching you do this it was like you know you've kind of consistently grown your sphere of creator work while also being actually like skin in the game and man in the arena on the investing side which by the way is like no small thing because a huge knock for a long time on like creators or like inspirational speakers or whatever was, oh, they're making money off of selling courses to you, not off of doing the thing that right. they're teaching you to do. And right. so you have your money where your mouth is. Like you're, t- you're showing trading charts in your newsletter, but you're actually putting skin in the game and making money on these trades. And so it's different in that in that case, which I, I really do respect. But can you talk about like the different things you've gone into? I know you have, you know, podcasting, newsletter, the different stuff, and like how you've thought about monetizing those things over time and, and
2: how that's scaled. It's interesting. I would love to say that it was intentional and you'll remember when we met, I, I do actually remember. came to you to help give me some advice yeah. on scaling it as a business because that was never my approach. I need that same advice now, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Um, you know, because uh, it started as a, a guy tweeting, you know, and as I said, there was no intention of becoming. I didn't even know you could be a personality in the crypto space. Right. I was literally following all the guys in the crypto space like a fanboy. You know, I, uh, all these people, I looked to them for advice and, and somehow transitioned into that. But it started as a Twitter account. One day I was like, listen, I like my tweets are all over the place. I need a forum where I can speak in long form. Right. Uh, and so I started a newsletter and it was the intention of the newsletter was going to be twice a week, right? It was only twice a week and it was just going to be all the thoughts I had had on Twitter, basically hashed out into longer ideas. You know, Did you do it with Review when you started? I started immediately with Review and it was... Pre-Twitter acquisition, yeah. Yeah. he's an OG yeah. Yeah. Review guy. Yeah, and I, and I think, I can't speak, but I think at, at one point, I'm one of their two or three probably largest newsletters just because I started really in their infancy. Um, and man, there was a lot of pressure to go Substack, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. Um, but so, I, yeah, I went with Review. I just, I liked the way they displayed my charts better and yeah. it just seemed like an easier interface. I was really more of it than the business. And so that started to sort of catch fire as a free newsletter and then became a job. Right. My intention was just to put out more comment content. And then one day I was like, man, I'm spending like 30 hours a week writing a newsletter. The 2x per week newsletter at that time. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I need to, you know, and so I started charging $15 a month, but kept the free issue.
1: So, okay. Stop there. Just because I'm fascinated about this. So while you're doing this, like, did you have another job? Was this your full time? You know, you're no, like, I'm... I
2: made, I made the money trading and investing.
1: So you're like your full time job is essentially trading, inv- trading, and investing. investing. Yeah. Your passion is putting your thoughts out there in the world. Is that correct?
2: Correct. When I started the newsletter, I thought maybe, maybe one day there'll be enough people who want to read this, that I could somehow monetize it. But I've never felt overly comfortable with monetizing my audience. I have no problem monetizing a sponsor or a Same. company that wants to support what I'm doing. But I never wanted the money necessarily from the people, but it became this challenge. I was like, I want to do this more. I want to do this five days a week, which was something that, you know, you were a part of uh, transition saying this, it should be, you know, yeah. saying maybe we should uh, be doing more content. And so I started to charge the 15, but still kept the free issue just less frequently. And Same that product. was a,
0: that was basically a decision you made saying, I need to have
2: the value for my time because I'm yeah. spending
0: so much time on this. It, I need to feel People like it's... People kind of yeah. expect
2: you to be yeah. uh, a charitable giver when you have an audience, but there's a certain point where you know, time is money, of course. So I felt like $15 you know, for five day, at the time, two days a week, but transitioning to five was about as like, fair as I could possibly offer. And then I met the guys at BlockWorks. Jason Yanowitz randomly DM'd me on Twitter. So there, I, when I tell you there was no intention, I mean there was no intention. He said, You should think about doing a podcast. My response was, What's a podcast? <laughs> they didn't know I was like, is the that way. the thing where like you're not on tv but yeah. you're talking right i'd never listened to a podcast literally in my life they didn't Still. know what a podcast was either by right. the way i just <laughs> had dinner with
0: them and it was hilarious they just got 30 under 30 for blockworks it's a cool very cool business they're awesome guys and he was telling me the story of blockworks and he was like yeah we started company. these podcasts and we literally like pomp asked them like hey can you guys do podcasting and they were just like shit, yeah, sure, we can do podcasting. And then they were like Googling what what is a podcast.
2: Like how do you produce a podcast? And now it's a $20 million plus business. Yeah, and so I never, you know, really. And so it's amazing, brutally horrifying to listen back to my first attempts at podcasting because you'd think I would have gone and listened to a few before I started as well. But now in my normal manner, I was just like, it'll be fine. Go on with it. My first one was Catherine Coley, who at the time was the uh, CEO of Binance US, and I like did all this prep, you know, and and all the questions. And now I do my podcasts like this, right? Yeah. I have a, my 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 assistant does prep. They're guests that I generally know, and I feel like I know this person by the time I start. Let's just have a conversation and and see where it goes. But so the podcast was the, sort of the next iteration, I guess. And then I was like, wow, podcasts don't come out that often. I need to like engage with my audience more directly. And I started a YouTube channel where I could start live streaming and obviously the podcasts go up there. And that has just sort of become its own, its own beast. And I don't know how, like the guys who like YouTube hardcore, it's, it's 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 a serious uh, and do those get monetized
0: uh, separately like so the largely they're not sponsors. largely they're not monetized okay. every
2: once in a while a company will come and say listen we want to like sponsor you know three months of a stream you're doing or something but like i said i did not start mm. youtube with the intention of making more money i figure that will come um so the newsletter at, you know at its core has one sponsor that's been there from the very begin- beginning in an exchange called femex yep. and the the paid subscribers and then you know the podcast up to six, uh, sponsors at any given time, two days a week. But I that it was the same feeling I had with the newsletter. I was like, this podcast comes out two times a week. Sometimes the conversations I've had, I feel like are already outdated. Crypto moves so fast, so fast, you know, and if I make the mistake of actually talking markets with someone like we could be in a bear market or a bull market a week later and what we've talked about is already irrelevant. So I wanted something that was sort of not just written and more accessible where i could engage with people and that's how i moved to youtube so it was sort of just just natural i think evolution and then then i realized i was like working a yeah double, you double had, shipped full-time job right I get that time you had it. yeah you had fought like i mean it's insane if you follow him
0: and you're on his newsletter which i am like i get a newsletter every single fucking day by the way with like by seven it's a.m. long. By seven A. Yeah, by seven A.m. Eastern. By the way, like when I was on when I was on the West Coast, it was hilarious because I would get it at four a.m. like I'd wake up and I would get it at four a.m. and he was like the only person that somehow got me an email before I got up because I'm an early riser. But literally like a newsletter super long with detailed charts and analysis every single day. You get like two podcasts a week. Yeah. Two podcasts a week. YouTube lives like almost every day. He was like the hardest working guy in crypto. And no one was really talking about just like the amount of output that was coming out of this engine, especially for the fact that it was quite literally just
2: you. I mean, I have a team, but like, (laughs) as far as like being the the face of it, it's definitely just me. I mean, I I get up at 4.30 every single morning, five days a week, Monday through Friday, so that I can get the newsletter out ahead of my kids. Right, because I then I miss her mom. Uh, you know, I get them up, breakfast, get them to school, come back, do a live stream every single day. Wow, uh, at, at 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, so that wait, that sorry, to... St- I'm
1: stopping <laughs> there. So by 9 a.m., <laughs>
2: by, 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 <laughs> by lunch, I've worked if you count kids as work, and I think that, yeah, put it this way the weekends are a lot harder than the week,
1: right? I'm I've got my first my kid on the way, so no, this is what friend. I'm looking forward to. Um, no,
2: it's great. Um, <laughs> Terrific! Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody have kids um, and uh, lots of them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, by by ten thirty in the morning, when I finish my first live stream, I've been full bore for six hours, like relentless, unstopping because I, you know, I write the newsletter in the morning. Uh, which is long, I have help from my assistant who like will prep some of the news and things like that. And then the minute I'm back from dropping my kids off, I get with my YouTube producer who sends me like all the content we're gonna do for that show. And then I have to do all the diligence obviously and read everything and know what the hell I'm gonna talk about, it's usually like 10 stories. I do the morning stream. Then usually I record a podcast within the next two hours. And then usually I go live again at 1.30 with another hour long-ish live stream. That's like three days a week. and none of that even includes any of my market work uh investments trading any of it and honestly like most of it's unpaid it's YouTube, so crazy. I just do. like it's not like ever i've never had a sponsor on my everyday morning live streams i just do it because it's it's Fun. You're like a one man crypto C N B C man. You're like uh, it's like non stop. He's got squawk box and then he's got like the next thing in the day, fast money and I, I love it's it. I love it. And listen, when I when I when yeah. I get sick of it, I slow down.
0: Yeah. Like you know. Well you've always been good about that, which it's a I feel like it's a common theme that comes up with people we've talked to, which is super high achievers, people that have achieved incredible success, but that have all a common thread I've found at least, you should tell me if you disagree, have found some way to be able to like pull back, and when they need to, they're able to like kind of withdraw and recharge. And I do feel like you've been able to do that. Like you've been posting more about like playing golf every now and then, which has made me yeah, happy because I always knew like when you thing. were getting burned out just as a friend, yeah. um, when you just felt like, oh man,
2: you are trying down. I'm like, yeah. Is, is, is that, that why you took
1: up to... golf? Like as a yeah. uh, so
2: I, I played golf in high school, um, that I quit for 25 years and took it up again six weeks ago. And it was, yeah, it was, it was intentional. My wife also works exceptionally hard and we live in Gainesville, Florida. There's not much to do or let's go play golf. Um, of course I played golf too much and yeah. now I'm injured in every single part of my 45 year old aged aged body. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was to force me out of the house. So like, even if it was just go, you know, hit balls for 45 minutes after that morning live stream to kind of reset for the afternoon, it was a great activity, but I'll tell you like, having children naturally slows you down to some degree. I'm not saying it's not very fast pace, but like if you put your phone down and spend the evening or the morning with your kids or an hour in the afternoon, you you it's pretty easy to detach and to focus on whatever insanity is going on through their uh, little brains at that moment. Uh, and so I think uh, that becomes naturally easier as you get older because it's almost forced, like you don't have a choice. Your kids need to eat you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to take care of that. Can we, can we talk about,
0: um, talk about trading? Like it's one, it's, it's an underlying thing in everything you're doing is, um, trading technical analysis, charts, uh, analyzing all of these, you know, stocks, current events, crypto markets, all of these things that are happening. Um, how did you get into that? Like what, what are things that a normal person should be thinking about or looking at? Should they not be trading? If you don't, you know, if you're not really going to spend time around it, should you just invest for the long run? Like what what, is, what are
2: your, some of your thoughts around trading? The latter. So okay. listen, trading is fun, but the first thing everyone should know is you're going to lose and it should be your play money. That, that the the bottom of every bank email that says, you know, uh, uh, past results, not uh, indicative of future uh, gains and yeah. and be careful and only invest money, you can not afford investment to lose. advice. 100% true, right? So, I, I naturally got into it when I was at Penn. In the late 90s at Penn, like Wall Street finance jobs was like gathering Halloween candy, <laughs> right? I mean, literally, no, no joke, my big, big brother in my fraternity went to work for Solomon Smith Barney, became the Penn recruiter, recru- recruited my big brother in my fraternity, who then said, do you want a job at Solomon Smith Barney to me? And I said, I don't know what that is. And I also don't have a resume. Is that problematic? I'm DJing. He's like, no, you're hired if you want the job. I didn't take it, but it was that easy, right? So to, to go the old know, boys an club. investment banking job. Uh, and so obviously I had a superficial knowledge of markets and sort of a basic understanding at that point. Um, but I learned by the school of hard knocks, which I don't think most people generally survive. I was just kind of there long enough to succeed. I mean, the first time I really got any money in my life and I'm not talking about a lot of money, I'm talking about like, paying off my debt so I actually have some money, I started investing it was like 2006 and 2007. So you can imagine how well that went uh, considering the yeah. timing, right? So I lost all of that. <laughs> uh, in 2012, I went all in on a stock called Eric's. It was a pharmaceutical company. I, uh, you know, I, I had heard from friends who were <laughs> consulting there that they had this groundbreaking drug that was gonna be released. I'm not kidding. Like I put basically everything I had into it was trading at $6. Um, A month later on the earnings, quarterly earnings call, the CEO showed up like, I don't know, on mushrooms or something. and was like, yeah, guys, we were like, money is going to be a problem, man. It was literally, I think the guy was high. And the stock went to zero. Full dose. I literally rode a actual company that was listed on the stock market to zero zero and a delisting.
0: I saw a hilarious thing, by the way, on Riding to Zero the other day, which you might have seen, of um, all of these people that have shorted a stock. And if a, you, you short a stock, you're like borrowing shares to yeah. sell, and you actually need to be able to close that short out. And if it goes to zero and is delisted, you cannot. Yeah, you get can't out of the actually short. get out of your short. And so you're paying the carrying load of interest mm-hmm. on something that like you could not have been more right about. Yeah. but But literally, you can't get out of it. So the, there are these hedge funds. There's the like perfect
2: this, trade. That yeah. There's like this close. list
0: of of hedge funds that are. Like, completely fucked because they're sitting in a short that was perfect. You wanted to go to like a dollar and have some liquidity. In liquidity. Yeah.
2: So I quit for a very long time. And then I sort of got back into trading, uh, you know, a little bit of options, Forex and stuff, and learned technical analysis sort of on my own. I had a mentor, this guy, Christopher Inks, who, uh, Texas West Capital, who I'd met on Twitter uh, years ago, and uh, sort of developed it from there. And, uh, but to your point, the most important thing everyone can know is just don't trade just don't trade it's so easy to make money in crypto by simply investing and waiting that's not even just true in crypto i always like to tell people all of these people who've made generational wealth in the stock market the baby boomers that have millions and millions of dollars have never even heard of technical analysis (laughs) not only have they never thought about trading or looked at a chart they don't even know that they exist (laughs) Right. All they've literally ever done is taken money that they don't need and put it into something and let inflation do the rest of the job.
0: Funny personal story on this exact thing. So earlier this year when I was leaving my job and I was going to go start this new thing, um, I thought I was going to go join like another fund. And I was interviewing at this. uh, I I won't name it, but it was a large crossover investment fund. So they do venture and they do hedge fund stuff. And I had to do a case study, and I had to talk them through why I thought this stock was a buy or, or a short. And, um I had pitched it as a buy, and then they asked me at what price, and I said, and they were like, well, why not right here? Because I said slightly under it. And I had, like, seen – I didn't know shit about trading stocks. Like, I knew nothing because I had just bought and held stuff. Yeah. And I had seen some of Scott's stuff on, like, oh, moving averages and this and that. And so I said, like, well, the 50-day – you know, it just dropped below the 50-day moving average, so it looks like it's got some downside. And the, like, founding partner of this firm on this thing looks at me, and he's like, what – like, I've literally in my entire career, I'm like, I've made a billion dollars and I've never thought about 50-day moving average. And That's I, my point. I wanted to like unzip my body and just like run away from, needless to say, did not get the job,
2: by the right. way, got rejected. Right. <laughs> but it was unbelievable. And, 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 and that, that illustrates my, my point perfectly, right? So even at the like peak degeneracy of my hardcore trading, which I'm decent at. I would never trade with more than 20% of my portfolio, 15%. I learned very early that you're probably not going to beat the market and the core of your portfolio should be invested, right?
1: So, so where, where is the, just curious, like where your 75%, your, you know, where is that money?
2: So listen, the funny thing it, is before COVID, I was one of the hardcore crypto guys who was saying, yeah, but still don't have more than like 15% of your money in crypto. It's still a risky investment. But then I stopped rebalancing. You know, I saw the nonsense that was happening with money printing, obviously, and stocks only going up while people on mainstream were suffering. All the memes that are very real and very true. And it just became readily apparent that I didn't really want that much to do with that system anymore. That doesn't mean I sold all my stocks. I still invest in my retirement accounts. I still passively buy all the things that I've always passively bought. But for me now, crypto is, you know, 70, 80% of my portfolio. And then breaking that down, 70% of that, I've always believed 70% investments, 15% cash, 15% for trading and investing in your best friend's company that he's gonna lose your money, right? <laughs> um, that, that's Been the, 15, the 15%, Been yeah, learned. I guess, uh, fund. Yeah. Um, and that's basically Bitcoin was the core of it always. Ethereum caught up, so it's a 60-40 Bitcoin-Ethereum split now for me. And then the rest, okay, we'll call that uh, you know 58, uh, 38, and the rest is the dust from the best trades of my life. Do a trade goes up a hundred x, something like that, which happens in crypto. I never sold the last five or ten percent of that position and moved it into the long term in case that is the Amazon of the future in 20 years, and I don't feel like I missed the boat. I'm a huge fan of scaling in and scaling out of positions and always keeping a little something just in case. So there's, you know, this sort of dust of all these other things. But still, as deep down this rabbit hole as I am, I still believe that Bitcoin is the most important asset and that it's a slow sort of drip from there, obviously, to Ethereum and then way down the risk curve to where some of them start to just naturally look like trades and not necessarily like like investments. But I I still think your average person should have. A stock portfolio, right like listen, we can rail against the problems with inflation and the problems with fed policy, but that benefits people who take advantage of that inflation by- bu- buying assets and buying hard assets, and that should be you on if you can you know but uh it's a it's a, it's a bit of a hard pill to stomach the further you go down sort of this rabbit hole and the more orange pilled or red pilled whichever one you want to say, and you really watch it i mean it's like watching. It's like watching a horrible comedy, you know, like one of those comedies that's also gut wrenching, kind of like Cable Guy, you know, that movie Cable yeah. Guy with J- you're like, he's so funny, but it's it, 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 like, it hurts, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, my, like the scene in Swingers where he calls the girl like 12 times in a row, like that, you know, like I look back, I'm like, that's hilarious, but also stop calling, you know, um, and so it's just really hard to like, I don't actively want to go out and invest uh, and buy stock yeah. right now. I just don't. Have you done um,
0: anything new? Like, I'm thinking about like new markets. So you were clearly, you know, you went heavy into crypto. Like you embraced this new market, new asset class. One of the new asset classes I've been starting to get excited about, which Greg, I like I keep talking his ear off about, is um, event contracts and like uh, prediction markets. And so PredictIt was sort of the like first player that was in this space. The challenge with them was it wasn't regulated. And so the limits were like, $500 $500 or something like right. that. And so it was fun. Like you could bet on Donald Trump or uh, Biden bet or on whoever. An FTX. <laughs> yeah, like, and you could do those things. But like, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it wasn't, but it was small. Um, and then recently I came across this platform, which uh, it called Calci that I. Um, had a lot of fun with was like it was the first um, CFTC regulated they like spent two years getting CFTC regulated so there's no limits and there's market makers there's liquidity there's these huge markets and I had so much fun with it that I like pounded on their door until they let me invest in the platform which I'm super psyched about and it's awesome but the thing that has struck me about that is like it's a new market and there's still so much pricing inefficiency in it because it's so new that it's like it's almost a feature of the market because I get in there and I look at it and there's things happening. Like, you know, they're yes, no contracts. And so there was one, like the whole stupid Janet Yellen, the uh, unrealized capital gains tax. And there was a market that was like, will that get passed by December 31st, 2021? It had to be and like I was like, one to a hundred. Yeah, no, it, right. <laughs> but he was trading at 87 cents on the no. And I was like, Okay, so in a month, I'm gonna make 13. percent Like that's the easiest. I will pour any amount of money yeah. into that because the government can't get shit done. Yeah. First off, on that time on anything, let alone that. Baby, take and, that. And <laughs> but it was like, I mean, it was it was a, those kind of things. When you see a new market, it's kind of a cool opportunity. So like, are you do you experiment with any new markets? Have you looked at prediction markets? Like, are, are there any things that you're seeing out there that are interesting to you?
2: I, I haven't really looked at pr- uh, prediction markets. Uh, I want to intro you to these guys but I would I would absolutely love that but I have in the last uh, year really started doing a lot of like smaller angel stuff Uh, it's always my belief though I I think you're much more in the weeds like I I know what I know and I will invest in anything where I trust the person knows what they know right and that's always been my path so you know from going to school where I did I have a lot of very successful friends they have different hedge funds funds so like a friend of mine runs a fund called Merida Capital, and it's marijuana investments. I know nothing about marijuana investments, but I know that I want to invest in it, so I invest in his fund and call it a day, yeah. right? Rather than trying to figure it out myself, I'd rather go to the guy who knows exactly what he's doing. That's a great um, mental model, by the yeah. way, just to pause on that. like,
0: Just it, do what you're great at and be exceptional at the thing you're great at and outsource. Everything fucking
2: else that you have yeah, out there. Even within crypto now. <laughs> to other people that are great at those things. Right. Even within crypto now, <laughs> I'm taking a very similar approach. But when I came into crypto, it was like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a basket of altcoins, right? Now it's the metaverse and DeFi and NFTs and right. So like I, I'm not I don't have enough time or under even comprehension to get into punks and apes and other jpegs and cartoons i'm not saying they don't have value i'm saying i don't understand it and i'm not going to throw my money at something that i don't understand but i'll invest in someone's nft fund right They're, like uh there's arca who's a as a big hedge fund in the space i just invested in their DeFi fund but i'm looking at their nft fund now because i don't know enough about it i know about the platforms that are building it i have a superficial understanding of the market but now crypto is so exciting and there's so much happening i don't feel like i can even keep up with that. Right. So I need people to 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 guide me in the directions, even within crypto, like play to earn. And I mean, metaverse. Yeah. Metaverse is going to be economies of scale beyond anything we've even seen in the real world for the investment opportunities one day. You can't tell me you're going to be able to figure out what the best investments are in that space. It's a powerful.
0: I mean, this is a really, really powerful thing for people to understand and like everyone that's listening to this is. You don't need to be a genius at everything. You're not going to be. And so focus on playing the games that you are uniquely well-suited to win. The things that you can really double down on and become an expert in, really focus on those, go deep, become that expert and double down. And the things you're not, embrace the fact that you don't know that Outsource it to people who are, to your point, like invest in the fund where that person is spending all of their time on NFTs or DeFi or whatever it is. But don't feel like you need to go be an expert in everything. We've talked about it with Solana. I'm like the idiot that somehow has completely missed Solana. But my whole thing, Greg, has keep he keeps giving me shit about it. Like, oh, you haven't invested in it. And my my whole thing with it is and I'm probably an idiot. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be amazing, but I have not spent the time, nor do I have the time to go do my research and diligence to understand it. And so will I go and invest in a friend who really has done, and and I have done that, I'm an LP in funds that are doing that, and so I probably have some derivative bets on it, but I don't have the bandwidth or the time to understand it. And so I wanna play games, where it's my playing field and the table is set how I like it. Like, if you're a tennis player, if you're Serena Williams, you don't want to go and play the match that Maria Sharapova wants to play. You want to play your match.
1: So so right. what's the advice? You know, not everyone went to an Ivy League school and has friends who... Right,
2: or s- is accredited or, to exactly. have access, which is a whole other conversation, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, So yeah.
1: what's the advice for people who want to do basically... Employ the strategy of... Find the smartest person, you know, and give them and place a bet. You know, how, how, do, how do people think about that? That
2: only comes with access. And that's the reason it's only something I've been able to do in the last few years. Unfortunately, the fact is the United States law that is supposed to protect consumers actually prohibits consumers or p- prohibits your average citizen. who does not have enough money from the same opportunities that wealthy people have. It's a sad but real truth. And that's why I love DeFi and I love crypto because everybody has a level playing field in that space. As long as they don't regulate it away and, and do the same thing to it, which is another conversation and another possibility. But what I would say and a lesson that I learned, listen, there's famous quotes about it, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. But then there's the flip side of that. Buffett, someone, you know, put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. Right. <laughs> and so I, I've had Mark Yusko from Morgan Creek on my, it uh, was one of I my favorite Mark. people in the yeah. world. He's guys more like sound bites than any human being. You could make one of those like little sound boards on the internet. I don't know. You're a kind of,
1: close second. I know. I know. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Yeah. stealing them
2: from all my podcast guests. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Mark said to me, he's like, you know, that's a total misnomer to say, to diversify. Diversification is what you do when you're already rich. You don't get rich through diversification, you get rich through concentration, with the caveat being that you choose right. Right? So I would say if you're young and you can afford to lose, because when you're you don't feel like when you're 25 that you can afford to go broke, but you can completely afford to go broke. You can reinvent yourself, find something else, especially in this world with the gig economy and you know, find something that you're very passionate about or very good at and concentrate all of your energy on that. And once that succeeds then you can start placing those bets in those other arenas. The fact is, if you're a 25 year old with a $50,000 a year job who's just getting by and paying rent, you can't have investments in six different arenas and spaces. It, it, you just can't. Uh, so, but you can buy an index fund, track the stock market, which is what I did. You know, just buy SPY, <laughs> just buy SPY, yeah. call it a day. Number works. go up. Correct. <laughs> correct
1: me if I'm wrong. It, it feels feels like you've had high conviction throughout your life really like you've placed like you haven't placed all your eggs in one basket you've kind of you talked about it right you talked about how this you know there was that pharmaceutical stock and you kind of like went all in or you know you' you're, you got excited about crypto so you went all in is it safe to say that like you've had you've had this strategy for 20 years I
2: would say I've had this strategy for 20 years and it failed for 18 exactly you know? so, that's what 27 years probably. I started, I was starting, you know, I tell the story as I left Penn and I became a DJ and that erases 20 years of utter and epic entrepreneurial failures that I tried <laughs> in between on the side of DJing. I actually started a company with four friends from college called phillytonight.com, which was in 1998, 1999. It was a nightlife website for Philadelphia restaurants. If you remember City Search, which I yeah. remember, it was basically a localized city search in Philadelphia. And then, uh, we ended up not getting along and I quit the year after college was DJing on the side. I have 10 examples like that. I actually was the editor in chief of a magazine that I started in Philadelphia, which then got consumed by another publication in New York, which is why I eventually moved to New York. I became their editor in chief, lasted one year because probably not the easiest person to work with and I'm not very good at the whole having a boss thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I sort of like advanced the ball very slowly but by like falling down and hitting it with my face as opposed to some dramatic, beautiful uh, move, you know. Um, And luckily, I think that I just always had at least a small safety net or something I was doing that could sustain it and keep me afloat as I sort of uh, found what I was good at. I had a great DJ career, but I was never the big name on the top of the flyer. Right. I was always the guy behind the guy or the smaller name on the flyer or the opening act for this guy or the DJ in this guy's band. And it was amazing. And I made money and I, and it was super fun. And I played in stadiums, you know, but rarely was that specifically about me. Right. So I would say I was like, I made it to like level D, you know, of the, of the A list. Um, and this is the first thing that I found where I sort of with that same mentality have found this level of success, but it is definitely fair to say, I mean, I've never been deterred by anyone else's opinion of what I should be doing, certainly, or uh, really have ever wasted my time on something I didn't find interesting. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I don't pay attention to, I don't have hyper focus unless I'm super passionate about it and I will just, I'll wash out. I could never have one of, I could never just have a basic desk job where I do a menial task and I, I actually think it's amazing that people can do that. I would just get fired like they would walk in and I'd be playing a video game, you know, I just wouldn't. And I would have gotten my work done in 20 minutes and be bored for seven and a half hours trying to pretend that I was doing work. You know, it's just sort of the nature. That's how I got through school as well. Um, you know, so yes, I think that, uh, I've always been hyper-focused. I just got lucky enough that I finally found something where that worked. And
1: you, you continued like you didn't give up, right? Imagine being married
2: to me though or being (laughs) my parents who sent me to that Ivy League school, right? It's, it's, it's probably a struggle, but uh, it's good to win in the end, I guess, to to some degree, but it was not always easy. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing that I'm coming away with is like,
0: just this idea of like, just stop playing other people's games and play yours. I've written about this before. And I think about it so much because it's, I mean, it tracks my own personal story is like, I, for a long time felt like I was playing someone else's game. And I went down the career path that like I thought I was supposed to or that people were excited about for me and I felt like it was prestigious and people thought highly of me because of it. But it wasn't my game, it wasn't my zone of genius. Um, And we all, I think we all need to find ours and it's a process, like it took you 27 years, it took me at least seven, um, probably longer. And I just think for everybody listening One of the things uh, like I'm really learning from you is like through this story and your whole uh, trajectory, it's just find the things that you are great at. Find the things that you're passionate about and just go all in on those and stop worrying about the shit you're bad at. Honestly, like people focus so much on like my weaknesses. uh, I'm going to try to work at my weaknesses. You're much better off. And it's like, maybe it's contrarian advice and it's a hot take, but like, you're much better off just saying fuck it to the stuff you're bad at. And like, I'm probably not going to ever be amazing at those things I'm bad at. Mm -hmm. Let me just like not focus on it and I'm going to double down and go all in on the shit I'm great at. Yeah. And go contribute and like get in the discord, the community aspect of this. If you want to go participate in things... Go join a community. Be a part of it. Go create. Jiho is an amazing example of that. Like, he was just a, he was, like, mopping the floors in the community uh, in the early Axie days, and now he's a co-founder of it, he's the head of the growth. The CEO
2: of Twitter was just a lowly engineer.
0: Crazy. I mean, the CEO of Walmart is, like, a perfect example in a blue-collar way of, like, he as a stocking manager in a Walmart store, and now is the CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world, biggest retailer in the world. Um, It's amazing. And... I think all of that comes from just being willing to double down on the things you're great at and just saying screw it to the stuff you're not as good at
1: and yell yell that like you create content right like do just like just put it out there
2: if your content's good enough eventually and like i said initially it's going to be bad but eventually it'll evolve into something that people engage with and listen if you're bad at it no one engages with it you'll move on with your life but at least you got to try and i think a huge part of what you're saying which i agree a hundred percent with is another thing you always say, which is shoot your shot, right? It's it's also letting go of the fear of judgment or rejection that comes along with it because I feel like that's what holds a lot of people back from really fully pursuing that dream. I mean, you always tell me the story or we joke about how you just cold called basically Mark Cuban by (laughs) typing in a bunch of email addresses and hoping that one of them was going to match, you know, and that worked. The guy started retweeting your content and engaging with you and, you know, most people are not willing to do that. Most people... Are not willing to suffer the judgment of their family and friends when they say i'm going to quit my job and become a twitter you know influencer not what i said but there are people obviously i'm going to become an instagram influencer right that's what i want to do or i'm going to become a trader i'm going to go all in on trading and take all the money that i have and i'm going to make money doing this an artist micah johnson who we keep talking about i'm going to quit baseball and become a painter I've never paint, I've only painted for two years, but I'm going to become a painter now as one of the most prolific NFT artists in the world because he has the talent to support it. But I think there's so much fear of judgment and failure and just being shot down that people never quite fully pursue it. So not only do you, you got to go all in, you got to then also disregard all the external yeah. factors
0: and find a community that embraces you for doing that because like I, I had you and it's a good example of it. Like you were so supportive of the things I was doing and saying like, this is fucking awesome. You should be doing this full time. Like why? And you were saying that to me. And then I met Greg through a group chat that we were in. And like all of these people, when I was going, I was about to go take another, you know, job in the finance world. And they were all like, what, why are you doing that? that like that doesn't because make any sense. To. Yeah. And that was what I thought I was supposed to do because of what everything I had done before. But I had people and I had a community that actually believed in me before I believed in myself on these things and gave me the like permission almost that I felt like I needed to do that. And so you need to, and they're out there. And now with the internet, you can find those people, but it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. And so it's, it's like, give yourself Give yourself the permission to go put your neck out on the line, shoot your shot. Every amazing thing that's happened in my life has, like, somehow came from being shameless in some sense of, like, just going and putting yeah. myself out on the line. And then find the community of people that will just embrace you for who you are and be genuine
2: about it. Um, and so many good things can happen if you do that. Such I just, like... It's so I mean, funny because you yeah. asked about trading, you know, you guys asked about trading before... That's what separates someone who succeeds in trading and someone who fails is being able to accept a loss, not having fear of losing. It's the only reason I was even decent at trading and I used to be terrible at, terrible at it because I was so emotional about losing, right? It's the same thing that makes a good poker player, makes a good athlete, makes a good trader. You have to just eliminate that fear and be able to accept a loss and move on with your life, right? You can't dwell on it forever. If you're a trader, and you dwell on every single loss you take, or you say, ah, um, you know, my plan was to only lose a thousand bucks, but I think it's gonna go right back up, so I'm gonna move my stop loss down, zero, right? You lose in there, been there. Right, we've all been there. <laughs> and that, and that's what, and that's what separates is that ability to sort of have a confidence in your plan and to let that plan play out without fear. And that, at the end of the day, be able to separate your emotions and act that out like a robot is what will make you good at trading, which is, but also will make you good at any of these things that you try to attack and tackle in life.
1: I mean, if that's not a good place to end, I, know, I don't really know
0: This was what. like, I honestly, it's, it's so funny because I didn't know where this conversation would necessarily go, but it was, for me at least personally, it was like one of the more formative conversations I've had, so. I there you go formative awesome, guy yeah. to him and hey, formative yeah. conversation no, you was very cool for me yeah. this is this yeah. is awesome and, and thank you so much all right. thank you guys where, where, so where
2: we're can, gonna reconnect we gotta we're, we're, we're not, reconnecting we were, all, we were already best friends <laughs> I know exactly
0: it. too positive now he's gonna be a dick to you so that you remember <laughs> yeah, him come on man I, I
1: remember <laughs> you i too I that
2: can that's true he is too nice where can people follow you yet. Everything is linked to my Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So, go so to his, go go to his Twitter. S-C-O-T-T-M-E-L-K-E-R. Yeah,
0: and seriously, like, the most prolific content creator out there within the crypto world. Insane. I've learned personally so much from you. So, And Maybe even you so if you're, you're not interested in
1: trading and you want to understand...
2: I don't want people to trade. Exactly. Tune in, and tune into a live stream. Or like, if you're not interested in crypto, free. if yeah. you're
1: not interested in making money, just the fact that, like... You have a model for creating content. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. listening want to understand how that happens. It's a great way to get started and just yeah. follow you.
0: You're also just a fun it. guy, man. You post funny shit. So I try. I appreciate it. I mean, we're yeah, all have here. Fun. Yeah. At The end of the day, we're all yeah. here for the memes. Yeah, true. Really. it's totally. true. Life really. is a meme. I'm so, just trying to like
2: do enough serious content that I can slide yeah, it exactly. Memes, you gotta like, live one it every ten. You gotta <laughs> live it. Awesome.
0: Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. you, guys. Appreciate it. This was dope. Thank you. Pretty wide ranging conversation there. Um, I had a few, but what was your one big takeaway?
1: Scott is not afraid to put in the work and share his curiosities, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. He's, I mean, he's had like a pretty wide ranging career, man. I mean, he clearly had some like challenging times with some of the failures he talked about. And What I took away was just this idea and this framework of just focusing on the things you are good at, like finding your zone of genius and outsourcing the rest, just being willing to go find the people that are great at the things you're not good at and just outsource to them and just double down on those things that you love, that you're passionate about, that you can get up every morning and do and go all in on those things and the outcomes, let them be as they may
1: and find your find your niche right like he he found like a subset of crypto twitter and became an influencer in like a niche that didn't really exist at the time and and you know built relationships and 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 built something that people loved. so good on him for that
0: yeah super interesting hope you guys enjoy it we're gonna jump into the community with him and go deeper on it uh thank you all for tuning in 2022 is a great time to take control of your sleep. I used to sleep like crap, but not anymore, ever since I found Beam CBD's Dream Sleep product. It's been a complete game changer for my sleep. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and I wake up feeling refreshed, not groggy. It's a nano CBD product, so it actually gets absorbed into your body more effectively. It tastes great, and you're going to love it. I couldn't be more excited to bring a special offer to you all beam is offering twenty dollars off any order of 75 or more for our listeners just go to beamorganics.com slash room and use code room at checkout again that's beamorganics.com slash room and use code room at checkout to get twenty dollars off any order of 75 or more join our free community at trwih.com